Hello, everybody. I'm John Sherbert, and this is the Nightcap Podcast, the podcast where I sit around and talk to you guys about the stuff and the topics that are in my everyday life, the things that I sit and I think about. Um, and today we got a pretty good one. But before I get into it, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody listening, and I wanted to ask you for your help. This is my first podcast. I've never done anything like this before in my life, and so as a result, this is all very amateur for me. So if you have any comments uh, about the way I'm doing things, if you'd like to see you know, more things, less things, if you'd like, you know, t- tell me if I'm boring you, tell me when you're turning the podcast off, because I want to have a listener base. I don't want to have one-time listeners. So if you have any comments, concerns, questions, recommendations, anything at all for me, please, please contact me on Instagram at JD underscore Sherburn. That is JD underscore Sherburn, spelled JD underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R-N-E. Slide me a DM, comments on a post, just to help me out here because I'm trying to make something great and I would love everyone who cares about its advice and opinions so thank you without further ado this is the podcast so think about how you're listening to this podcast right now you're doing it through your phone speaker pair of headphones your car speaker but at the end of the day you're doing it through your smartphone whether it's Apple Android Google whatever you have a smartphone, and we all do, and we all use them 24-7, especially if you are listening and you are in my age range here, if you're in your 20s, if you're somewhere on there. And so technology has changed everything in the last 20 years. Um, the internet came up and just swallowed our culture whole and changed the way everything worked, and you saw things that were cornerstones of civilization going away in a matter of years. You saw the way we communicated with other countries, the way our governments communicated, the way we got our news. We, we saw everything change in our lifetime. And so for us, it's, it's not that crazy because for us, we grew up with it. It's just how things are. But for our parents and our older siblings even maybe and things like that, it's so different now. And so it's really important to think about that difference that we're growing up with and that difference that our generation or my generation at least has had in their lives. Um, I've seen that it actually has, there's some animosity towards us from older generations. And I'll stop speaking in terms of us and them, but Generation Z, as we are called, has seen a lot of animosity from old generations that I've seen. I see people like parents and grandparents talking all the time about, oh, this with your phone and that with your phone, you're always doing that. It's this big joke. If you go on Facebook, I'm sure you'll see it a hundred times in about a minute. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's in some ways warranted because I think that in some ways it's them trying to say that, you know, we have a problem because I think that uh, the Generation Z definitely does have a problem. Um, but at the same time, I do think it's also a little unwarranted because Generation Z is more, has more ability to be intelligent than any previous generation just because if I want to know or do anything, I can pick up my phone and do it. Um, and I, and I, can, I can learn as whatever I want to do. And I think I talked about this in my first podcast, you know, if I want to sit and make a podcast, I can, for a couple hundred dollars, have that off the ground pretty easily and have a pretty decent thing going. So it's a lot easier for people to do things, but that ease is actually pretty negatively impactful sometimes as well. But before I get into that, I want to talk a little about the generation. So millennial generation is the generation that goes from mid-1980s, I believe, after generation, or maybe it's the 90s. Generation X was before that. 
um, millennials are mostly the 90s kids. What you'd see is that. And towards the end of the 90s, it turns into Generation Z. The problem is people are having a hard time categorizing it. Some people say it's 1995 and on, 1998 and on, 2000 and on. But no matter where it is, um, I was born in 1998. And that area of time, the year or two years on either side of, of that year are kind of the intra-years between millennial generation and generation Z. And that is a very, very interesting time because I see in with me, kids born four or five years later than I was have a completely different relationship with technology than I do. People born, my sister is eight years older than me, people born a few years older than me have a completely different view of how technology works than I do. And so it's very interesting being in those interviews because it has developed this little microchasm of how we think about technology that almost no one else has because we're one of the few generations that was born on interyear at the same time as a major revolution was happening in the way things work. So, you know, I, I see kids younger than us, um, younger than me, and it's crazy how much they're on their phones and things like that. And, and I'm also sure that there are, there are definitely people in my year um or around there that do the same things but it's it's a, it's a scale for sure and i know that i probably am at the end of that scale um on the not using side more than a lot of people but the tech the relationship's very different um because if you get to just a couple years younger than us a lot of those kids had cell phones like smartphones when they were really young like they were in you know elementary school or they were maybe in middle school at the latest and they're having smartphones a lot of us did too but social media didn't really take a rise until roughly when I was probably in 7th or 8th grade. Social media wasn't a huge thing. It was around. Instagram was around. Uh, Snapchat wasn't probably around till I don't know, 2014, 2013. But um, that stuff was new, and it was just coming on the rise, and it wasn't as popular, and so it wasn't as big of a part of everyone's day. Um, and so it was interesting to have... I think what happened is I formed my sense of self, my sense of identity, roughly, before I got onto social media. So as a result, I didn't have a huge connection to it. Um, I didn't rely on it as much as maybe some people that are younger than us. I see kids a couple years younger than us that probably grew up as, you know, they're probably in fifth grade, and they had an Instagram or a Twitter. And, and, the, and the, the negative thing about that is that they sit there and they, and they develop their sense of self and their sense of what an adult is based off of people's social media profiles. And the thing is, people's social media profiles are not what they're like in real life. And they never have been and they never will be. Because on the internet, you get to choose what you say. You get to choose how you look. So you can make yourself look like a girl that parties all the time, even though you only go to a party two nights a week or two uh, nights a month because you sit there and you post pictures every couple days of you at a party or you're drinking or this thing, that thing. And so it makes you look cool, but the problem is, say your friend's younger sister's on Instagram, she sees that and goes, oh my God, she's so cool. I want to be just like her. And so now while you have a healthy image on that, someone a couple years younger than you doesn't have a healthy image on what it's like to be in high school or something like that. And you see stuff like like Disney Channel played into that a lot too because Disney Channel would, uh, they'd write shows. I, I say it's, it's shows written by 30 and 40-year-olds starring 25-year-olds. 20, about 16-year-olds geared towards 12-year-olds. So it's this, so Disney Channel and to some extent uh, Nickelodeon when I was younger catered towards that. They'd have shows about kids in high school um, portrayed by people in their 20s. So, they, so the, A, the kids in high school, these high schoolers, looked old, right? They looked like, because they're grown adults. So you had a lot of people looking like adults um, uh, that were 
acting like high schoolers and they had these false expectations of high school because high school is not as interesting as you can portray it to be. So they portrayed it as so much drama and heartthrobs and parties and, and boys and girls and all these things. And there is some of that, but they portrayed it as all it was. Um, and, and then they geared it towards these 12 year olds. So a, it's pretty bad programming in my opinion, a lot of it. Uh, but B you kind of grew up seeing that. And so you expect, Oh, that's what high school is like. That's dope. And so you start to sh- you see you start to see a shift here of of how people are viewing things a little differently than they used to, and so you see kids a couple of years younger than where I'm at, and they grew up with cell phones. And I uh, volunteer I was a not volunteer I worked as a camp counselor this summer, and all those kids are like in like kindergarten through fourth grade, and they all had smartphones. So many of them had smartphones, and and the problem with that is you can't control that anymore. At that point, they they're I'm sure a lot of them are watching a lot more content than I was when I was younger, because when I was younger, the the benefit was well, you know in the two in the early two thousands to maybe mid two thousands, the benefit was um, that we have uh, you walk away from your technology, right? So I had a computer. I used to computer a lot as a kid, and I would do a mixture of things on there. Um, when I was a little older, I'd be looking stuff up because I was interested in learning about different things. When I was younger, I was playing like uh, Putt, Putt, or whatever that is, a little purple car driving around. What's his name? Putt, Putt. Uh, 2000s game car purple. What's his name? Putt-Putt. Yeah, I was right. Putt-Putt. So I'd play Putt-Putt. I'd play Tonka Trucks. I'd play different games. Uh, I had a Leapfrog. Um, You know, I had a TV with cartoons and all that stuff. But you walk away from it. Your parents can say, okay, you have an hour of this and you have to go outside. Your parents could see exactly what you were doing because it's a big screen and it was a shared computer or a shared television. And, and so there was that control factor because as a kid, you need to have a control factor. That's what parents are for. But when you give a kid a phone you eliminate some of that control. And so they did that to us, at least with me. You know, I got an iPod when I was in 6th, 7th grade, and at that point, my parents started to give up some control. But a lot of these kids now, they're 4th graders, and their parents are giving up that control. And they're 10-year-olds that are very impressionable still, more so than a middle school. I mean, though it's still impressionable in middle school, more so impressionable than a middle school. And they can watch whatever YouTube videos they want. They can have social media accounts. They can post things and they can view things. And it, and it, and it changes the way things work. Because if you have a Twitter, if you have a Twitter, you know how toxic and crazy and inappropriate Twitter can be. If you have a YouTube, no, I don't even, you know, it could be anything you're viewing, right? And so a lot of that stuff, though it's good because it makes kids more adult, I guess, and socially aware or something like that. Some of the negatives are there's that lack of control and it's kind of seeping into childhood, which for a long time was separate from the adult world. Now those lines are definitely blurring. And then the other end of the spectrum of millennials, um, you have kids like my older sister who grew up with an even different perspective on this. My older sister, she, uh, you know, she grew up with even less technology, uh, in high school. They had maybe in middle school, they had AOL messenger and they had aim and stuff. And I watched her do all that stuff. They had MySpace, archaic MySpace, but again, it was separate. You could walk away from it. You had cell phones, but they were flip phones, and it would take you 30 minutes to type a message, so you were hitting, you know, you're doing all those shortcuts and stuff like that. And, but it was, it was separate. It wasn't as thing. At most, you'd have texting. And at that point, too, parents were like, this texting's really bad. But that's all you got. Everything else you walked away from. When it was dinner time, you'd go to dinner. When it was time to go outside, you'd go outside. But now, 
It's not the same way. You have kids that just sit around and are on their phones 24-7. They have the ability to be on their 20, phones 24-7. And that's a huge problem to me. That's a really big issue because it blurs that line between what reality is and what, what the phone is. And that's why I've seen it retweeted and Facebook posted a hundred times. Um, I can't think of who it was. Was it, I think, Tyler, the creator, tweeted a couple of years ago. He said, I don't know how people are getting online bullied. Just walk away from your fucking computer. Walk away from your, walk away, go outside, get out of there. You can't be, like, online bullying doesn't make sense to him, right? The problem is, that's not the way it works anymore. You have your phone on, you're looking at 24-7, so if you got messages and stuff from people that are online bullying or whatever, um, I still don't, I don't think, I haven't seen too much of that, at least at my school. I mean, there's, like, people getting Twitter fights, and there might be some incidents of online bullying, but some consistent stream of it, I don't see too often. But, you don't walk away anymore. And it's part of who you are. It's your identity because your social media profiles are who you are. It, it, you have to see how many likes you got in that post. You have to see how... And it's addicting. It's like a game almost because you see... And it's like, you know, heart, 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 heart. Oh, you have 24. Now you have 26. Who does she have? Who does he have? There's... You have more followers. You have less followers. I see people that obsess over... I, someone was ranting the other day about their ratio of Instagram followers. Who cares about any of that stuff? This is a forum for you to post your experiences. And that's all it should be. Because if you're doing more than posting your experiences, then you're not having experiences. You're replacing experiences with watching how other people experience your experiences. And that's really dangerous. And so that is a crazy thing to me as someone who's not super into social media. Um, I don't scroll through social media at all, ever. Um, I don't scroll to my Twitter feed. I don't scroll to my Instagram feed. I don't have them half the time on my phone. I'll use them to, to send messages to people. I'll, you know, I'll use them to post my content. I'll use them to post my pictures and my life experiences. But I'm not going to sit around and waste my day on it. That's such a waste of time. You could be outside doing stuff. You could be talking with your friends. You could be creating something. You could be doing so much more than just sitting and, and scrolling through pictures of some girl with her stomach out because she misses summer. I, I don't get it. So, media has this black hole effect on people, I think. And so I think with generations, even like our parents, I see so many grown adults wasting their nights on Facebook. I see so many grown adults getting home from work and scrolling through Facebook, sharing memes about minions and about cell phones being evil and that weird like cartoon comic style uh, and, and, and ranting about political stuff that they haven't even thought about. And so, like, it's just this black hole effect that it has on you. And I'm sure when we look back in time, people are going to be like, either, in, like, three generations, either people are going to look back in time with their, you know, heads plugged into a computer going, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Or they're going to look back in time and go, what the hell was going on back then? There was no sense of separation there was it was it was it was it was dangerous i'm sh and, and they're gonna look at it maybe like we look at like when cigarettes came out right cigarettes are addicting and they're crazy and maybe bad for you and, and it's not gonna have the same health impacts as cigarettes computers and technology obviously but we might look back at the same way it's this addicting substance that people just let that just went on unregulated it was like you know smoke two packs of cigarettes a day we'd sit for four hours of our day on our phones Go check your usage. Go check how long your screen's on for. Really do that. Like, do that, and it's a minor. Oh, your screen was on for five hours today. Five hours you're on your phone. No. Sorry, no. I'm, I, don't, I don't like that. And so it's changed our mindset a lot, I think. It's changed the way that we work. Um, and a lot, I see, I hear from every, my own parents. I hear it from, 
you know, societally, I hear it from the parental generation to us, um, that we have this issue with instant gratification. And I think that there's two things that created this instant gratification cycle that we have. First off, I blame you, parents. Uh, I was talking to my dad about this the other day, or recently, maybe this summer. Um, so not the other day. I apologize. <laughs> but he said that our generation has a really big issue with getting what we want. I want this TV now. I'm going to get this TV now. I want this you know, book now, I'm going to get this book now, I want to do this, I'm going to do this right away, and if I don't get my way, I'm going to have a problem with it. He talks, he talked a lot about that, and I think it was, it was a, it was a fair point, it's true. We have problem waiting, and there's two issues with that. First off, it's our parents' fault, because when we were kids, it's not like when I was 10, I had a thousand dollars, and I would go spend, 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 but when I was a kid, my parents would go and spend, 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 spend. So the reason that we have an issue with the gratification in one part is because our parents allowed us to get that way. Our parents, because uh, of course they did. Because the way your parents raise you affects how you are as an adult. So if as an adult you have a problem with gratification, part of that problem is on in your environment. And part of that problem is going to be the way you were raised. And we were raised in a very, our parents, for the most part, are a very affluent generation compared to a lot of other generations. Because when they were younger, they were pushed to go to school and get degrees and things that made a lot of money. I mean, at that point, too, our economy was really stable, and it was really easy to make a lot of money if you really tried it. Um, and this is blanket. I am aware that there are a lot of parents out there that don't have a lot of money. But comparatively to, like, two generations prior to them, they had a lot of money um, for the most part. And so they could afford to give these amenities to their kids. They could afford to have computers and televisions and all these different things and toys and stuff like that. A lot of people could. And so a lot of kids now have this instant gratification. Like, oh, I need this. I want this now. And the second part of that is technology because that's all we have is instant gratification. Because if I want to get something on Amazon, they have a one-click purchase button. That is one of the scariest things. Oh, my God. If I'm online, if I'm on Amazon trying to find a piece of equipment I want to get for this or something like that, I, in one click, I don't got to pay. I don't have to look at my bank account number. I don't have to do anything. I can click it, and it's coming in two days. That's not good. That's not how it should be. That's so easy to waste so much money. And, 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 and it's in so many aspects of our life. And I'm going to start off with some specific examples. And they're very individual. But they are small examples that when you build up enough of those things, it shows a big change in culture. Like for phones, right? If I want to call you, I can call you wherever I want to call you. And that's new. Pay phones used to be a thing. Before cell phones, if I wanted to call you, I'd either have to be at my house or I'd have to find a pay phone. And so I, that, made, that made plans a lot different. That made, uh, that made plans so much different because if I wanted to do something, I had to make that plan stick with it. If I wanted to go, oh, on Friday I'm going to your house. I call you about it. We talk about it. Okay, I'm coming over on Friday. I write that down. That's in my schedule. And then Friday, I just got to go over to your house. I gotta go, we gotta meet wherever, and it's part of the schedule. Nowadays, it's, oh, we still on for, oh, sorry, no, something came up, it's easier to cancel. We, you couldn't cancel back then. If you had a problem, come an hour before, you can't, you don't know where they are. They could be out shopping, they could be at work, they could be at school. So, we've changed the way we make plans. Which, I saw, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, he's a comedian, he's a really, really funny comedian, this Italian guy, and he was doing uh, a bit on, um, actually, I'm gonna look up his name, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak about him if I don't know his name. 
Sebastian Maniscalco had this bit he was doing about Anthony Dorbell, right? When you twenty years ago, if Dorbell rang, oh my God, company, go go, we got we have food, come in, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And nowadays, when you have company, it's get down, get down, someone at the door. Did you invite anyone over? Did you do you expect anybody? Why is someone here? It's nine o'clock. Why is someone here? And it and that and that was a hilarious bit he was doing. He did it. He, he, great at it his physical comedy is hilarious but that's how it, it, it goes from i can't just walk into someone's house when i have plans i can't go knock on their door i have to text them. i'm in your driveway cool fuck you know i'm here you know that kind of stuff um and so it makes plans a lot different uh gps tells us to what to do i don't have to know where i'm going anymore my mom sits there my mom will sit there and she'll, all right so you're gonna go go 590 take a left at this exit and you're going through here and you remember the street it's, there's a this this business is on the on the selling turn there you remember we've been there last week I, I'm listening it's like a drone uh okay well I'll just put it in my Google Maps and they'll t- it'll, it'll magically take me where I have to go and so we don't have to sit down like my phone was broken and I was trying to drive somewhere and I didn't know how to get there and so I had to sit and I had to write down the directions and I'm driving I had to look at the directions in my hand I had to write I had to figure it out I have to try to memorize it in my head and that's not a thing anymore it's so much quicker easier I don't have to know anything I just can do it it's harder to do things like, like read a book for an hour or two without checking your phone because you had to text it's hard to watch a movie the amount of times I've seen people, we watch movies and people are texting the whole time on their phone, scrolling through the whole time. You're half paying attention to the film. You're not watching it. You're just, you're, it's passive instead of active. Uh, and that's a big one. Active versus passive perception, right? You can passively perceive things when you're on your phone. You can multitask. But it's been proven that multitasking is not as effective, obviously, as if you sit there. If we're having a conversation and we're sitting and we're engaged in a battle, right, a mental conversation or the dance or a mental battle of conversation it's a lot better than if we're sitting there and i'm saying oh i'm telling you a story and you go yeah okay that's cool totally click 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 type 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 obviously and so these things are changing and and it's changing bigger things like relationships right now that you can text all day you're expected to text all day it's not all I'll call you tonight have a good day we're living separate lives it's when we're not together we're texting a lot of people are like that a lot of relationships are like that and that's dangerous because it it, it it breeds like this connective tissue and it makes it harder to be an individual person. And, and so you see individual change like this, but individual change is not merely happening on its own. Individual change almost always relates into bigger change. It reflects on society if it happens for a long enough period of time. And so as a result of this individual change of things like instant gratification, of things like needing to have your voice heard, things like having a certain voice on social media, you have major changes on society. So you, so you have this call-out culture now, right? If you go on Twitter, you have this call-out culture. And, and people nowadays don't want to fix problems, but they want to show the world that they care about problems. It's not about solving things in your own little slice of the world. It's about seeing something happen in your slice of the world and bringing it to the attention of the people. And then you have this thing where, as a result, so many small, individual, little experiences and and problems are becoming bigger because they are uh, 
being strutted about Twitter and about social media. And you have mistakes being made, and you have things like that happening, and normal things that are no longer being tolerated. And instead of just going to the person and talking to them about it, instead of having an apology issue in there, which is, okay, he apologized, she apologized, they didn't mean to do that, let's listen to what they're saying. Instead it becomes, oh no, we have to call this person out. We have to shame this person into oblivion. So we can feel better about ourselves because we're doing the right thing. And you might be doing the right thing. But sometimes it's a mistake. And sometimes it's on purpose. Uh, And this is a big... Call culture was talked about a lot. I would listen to Joe Rogan podcast. And in Joe Rogan, Jonathan Haidt? 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 This guy was talking, and he's very interesting conversation. I recommend you go watch it. But he was talking just about this and about call-out culture. And it's not about having a one-on-one. He's a professor, and he says, I teach to the uh, most easily offended student. Because if he says something wrong, not even if he says something that's an opinion, right, that someone doesn't like and finds it offensive, they're not going to come to him one-on-one and say, hi, uh, I know you didn't mean this, but it offended me. Instead, they're going to go onto Twitter. And he said that, you know, okay, so... Uh, someone made a, a professor made a said, you know, kill me now because something wasn't loading or something like that. And instead of saying, hi, I know you didn't mean to, but that offended me because, you know, it, it talked about suicide. Instead, that person went and they blasted it on social media. And, and that's not how to fix a problem. That's how to develop a divisive culture. Because instead of, you know, if everyone went and, and had honest heart-to-heart conversations with people when they hurt them, it would eliminate a lot of those conversations because it's hard to have a conversation with someone and come out hating them. So if I said something that was divisive and someone came to me and talked to me about it, odds are if we had a good hour-long discussion about it, right, I'd leave that conversation differently and I'd think about that topic differently. It would actually change and help things. But if someone goes and blasts me on social media and it's 180 letters about what I did wrong, it's not the whole story, it's not my opinion, and they didn't even come to me, I'm going to get mad and that's divisive and I have a higher chance of not even changing my behavior because of that. And so it's really dangerous um, but this call it culture is more important because people care more about their social points than about anything else. It's not about it's it's about looking good. And I talked about it earlier in the podcast. It's about having that social media presence. If you want to look like a party girl, you can. If you want to look like a social activist, you can too. And the problem is a lot of these people are not actually social activists. These are people that in their day-to-day life do nothing to work on the problems that they see. But on social media, they talk about it. And as a result, they feel like they're social activists, and they feel like they're making a major difference. I, I see these. I saw a Twitter fight recently in my hometown. It was a big fight about men and women and feminism and things, and um, and and it was a whole about oh, if you know, if you support men, uh, and this is boiling it down. So I apologize if I offend anybody, but it's, it's pretty much saying that men, as a uh, whole, hurt women. And how men as a whole are, are kind of bad for women. Not every guy, but there's a lot of guys that are. And so as a result, if you support men or you support what they call meninists, um, then they don't want you around them at all. They don't want you liking anything that they're liking. They don't want, you, they don't want to see your name. And, and, that's, and, and these are the same people who I don't see on a day-to-day basis making activist change. They're not people going around and doing speeches. And they're not, they're not creating content to bring awareness. And they're not doing any of it. But they have no problem going and insulting people on the social media for having a different opinion than them. And that's crazy to me. What? No. If you have a problem, don't call someone out 
Talk to them about it. Have a conversation because all you've done now is made not only the people that you're insulting, the two of you have a fight, obviously, because you're sitting there and saying, at this person, at that person, don't want to see you anymore. And they're saying, screw up, you're wrong, and you get in a big fight. Okay, now you're both divided. You have the same opinions, but you're farther back in your opinions. So there's less chance that you're going to talk to someone about it in the future, and that's perpetuating that. At the same time, anyone watching that's on one side of that aisle is going to be divided. And we have that on a societal scale right now because instead of having conversations to help problems we are taking corners and we're back and i'm like it's a like it's a fight and it's really hard to see because it it's it's so clear that nothing's happening nothing's changing nothing's getting better right now because instead of saying this is racist and this is not racist or this is sexist and this is not sexist and let's have a conversation where we both walk away learning something and i respect your opinion even if i think what you're saying is sexist I want to have a discussion because that's the only way it's going to help. Instead, you're saying, you're a piece of shit. I don't want to see you anymore. And what's that going to do? Nothing. So you have this call-out culture, and, and, and I think this pendulum has swung um, to, and, and this is where it gets maybe a little dicey, so I apologize if I say anything offensive here, but the pendulum has swung to protect those that are in the minority or those that have experienced hatred for it has swung far enough where it's it's getting a little ridiculous and it's getting kind of hard to back sometimes. I think that it's I think that as a majority, a lot of this is very good because you see, th- I, I'm, the LGBTQ community has become so much more accepted in my lifetime. I remember as a kid, you watch go watch a two thousands rom com with like a gay side character, and some of those jokes do not hold up at all. Like you'll sit, it'll be like they're all you know watching football, and there's like the gay friend. And he like goes into the kitchen, and they're just like, "Oh, they're like don't let him touch the wing dip." And it's what? What does that mean? Like it's what? And 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 so much, you know, a lot of that stuff sounds a lot more like the background characters in Philadelphia, as opposed to the characters in Modern Family. You know, you have a lot more of that. Just growing up, there was a lot more indecisiveness about gay people and 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 you have same issues with race and the same issues with women and stuff because for a very long time those people had a lot of issues and in this country to this day those people have a lot of issues but at the same time you have to find actual examples of it being a problem i was saying this to my dad the other day you know you've we've seen cases of people backing you know there's okay so there is a um a black teenager is killed by a police officer and instantly it becomes a race issue and so, and there are so many examples of actual issues with police officers being racist use a real issue as opposed to using an example where oh the kid actually reached into the guy's car and tried to take his gun and so the guy shot him okay if you're gonna reach for a cop's gun expect to get shot unfortunately or not no don't reach for a cop's gun if a cop says stop stop now there are great examples of the other thing happening there are great examples of police officers being maniacs and so use those examples but don't make up fake ones or don't use the wrong ones before the details have come out because if you do that you're asking for a problem and and, and this has happened a couple times i'm going to use two other examples um at in my town here in rochester new york there was a issue recently for Martin Luther King Day. Someone was talking about the Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Day, and he was a weatherman. He said, uh, I, I don't know the exact quote, but something along the lines of Martin Luther Kuhn. It sounded like that by mistake. He kept talking after. He didn't even realize that he said anything that sounded wrong, um, and he was fired from his job. And if you look at the video and you and you and you and you look and you listen, it's very clear that that's, he his, he was speaking quickly and he did, and that's it, right? He was speaking quickly and he was um, 
not you know focused on, and something slipped out. Obviously, he's not going to say that on national TV. If he, if he was trying to be racist, you wouldn't stand on national TV and make a uh, race pun uh, on live television um, because that's a way to get fired, obviously, because someone's going to notice. And this guy came on and he said, I'm so sorry. This was not, I didn't say that. It's not, it, it slipped. It, it's a, it, I said the wrong word. Um, it, it came out wrong. So I was, you know, reading wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not racist. I've never been racist. And, and he got fired because there's no such thing as conversation anymore. It's just, uh, making these accusations. You see it with Kevin Hart came out and apologized recently for making a joke about LGBTQ people. Um, the guy that, that had to leave Columbia's set early, he was on set at Columbia and he said, um, you know that being gay isn't a choice because I know black gay guys and no one would choose to be black and gay. And that's a and that's a controversial joke, but it's a joke that comedians can make. That's a that's a joke that comics make. Comics make jokes that are on the forefront of what our social issues are. And that was he's like and, and this and this is a black guy, I believe. Um, and and he and he said he got this joke from like he, friends of his that were black and gay. Um, he might not have been black, but he 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 was a he was you know minority race guy, and he got this joke from other minorities that were gay and. And they boot him out right out of the campus. And college campuses have become so impossible to speak at now and to talk to now because you know uh, whether or not you agree with that joke, that's not an, like the, he's. It's a joke. He's a comedian. That's his job. And historically, comedians make racy, offensive jokes. And so, if you try to stop that, you're diluting the you're diluting the actual issue. Like that guy clearly doesn't have a problem with any of those people. He's a comedian making a joke. He's not like he's sitting around saying this, you know, this swearing about these people or those people or saying they shouldn't be around. That's racism. And I think that another point I saw a comedian make recently too is that, you know, actors play parts and they don't get in trouble for it, right? An actor plays a Nazi. No one cares. Obviously, they're not going to say, well, he plays a Nazi. What does that mean? No, they say, oh, he, he plays a Nazi. He did a great job playing a difficult role. A lot of times comedians too will play roles or they'll play bits or they'll say things that they don't necessarily agree with, but it's it's a comedic thing. But they get hit on like it's the, the way that they actually think. And like Larry the Cable Guy got a lot of crap for it, is this example. Larry the Cable Guy. That's a bit. He's playing a, a, a hick redneck from out, in the, out there in the country. And he, everyone's like, he's probably racist in real life. And it's not true. And so you see these, this pendulum swinging. You see these things happening. And this is compounded by the media who's telling partial stories. They're, they're, they're telling, uh, they're trying to get people fired up with all the facts. And, and they're turning politics into a battlefield. I talked earlier about on Twitter how it's becoming a war. You're taking sides. It's how politics are now. It's not about saying, oh, okay, the wall is a perfect example. So you have people saying, Illegal immigration is bad, which is an objectively true statement. If you have illegal immigration, it's very hard to control how it's happening. It's very hard to make sure, because those people aren't citizens, it's very hard to have them be taxed well and have things make sense as a culture. If there's enough people, an influx of enough people that are coming here, and the capital word is illegally, the problem you face is that you can't control any of it. And so you might have you know, a couple million people in, in somewhere that sh aren't necessarily supposed to be there. And they're not getting taxed well, and they're not part of the voter brackets and things like that. And, and so that's a problem. That is a problem. That doesn't mean those people are racist and think that they shouldn't have any 
immigrants in the country, that means that that's a problem. On the other side of the fence, you have people saying, that's a maybe poor choice of words, but on the other side of the aisle, you have people saying, we want to help these people that have terrible living situations because in a lot of South Central America and Mexico, you have a lot of people that are running and fleeing from true problems. And those people on the left side of the aisle there are the people that say, yes, immigration, yes, immigration, are saying we want to let these people in our country because we think they deserve a home. And that is equally good of a point. They're both very good points, but there are different sides of the aisle. Instead of having a conversation and saying, hey, how about we put money into border security so that we can, in parts where it's hard to patrol, we have maybe a wall or something like that. On parts where it's easy to patrol, we have patrols or we have sonar or whatever the hell, I don't know. We have... We put money into making it harder to get into this country illegally, illegally, which is not good. But we also readjust our, our the way we let immigrants into the country so it's easier for people to get into the country. And, 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 and also, instead of them all piling up into one area, because a lot of times you'll have racial pockets, right, where a lot of immigrants from here go to this place and here go to that place, we spread them out more. We spread them out in states that have low populations. We, we spread them out around places. We keep families together. We change the way we let people into this country so it's easy to let them in, and we make it harder to come across the country illegally. That's a, that's objectively better for both sides because you're compromising. And I'm sure I'm missing out on a lot of the science and the politics and the way this stuff works, but having a conversation is better because both sides have fair points. And there's a lot of topics you can talk about this on. You can talk with gun rights is another great one, right? You have people that say guns are bad. But a lot of times those people don't understand the way a lot of guns work and the way a lot of gun laws work. And you have people saying guns are necessary and they understand the way that guns work. Maybe they're a little more well-versed in the law or well-versed on the statistics about it. But the problem is they're biased towards guns because they're part of their lives. So as a result, you have two people that have good points that are demonizing each other and making each other side look like bad people. And so I think it's way more, way more important. People are focused so hard on being right nowadays. It's so hard about me, 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 me. And it's not all about compromise that's going to be best for our country. A compromise that's going to actually make things better, a better place to live, make our, our world somewhere that people want to spend time in. So I find that to be very troubling because it's no longer about, it's about being correct on your side. And it's about having your views pushed better and the media is such a big part in this because all you have to because i see it looking at everybody in my generation shame on all of you because there's a mass lack of people reading the news there's a mass lack of people doing anything more than going to snapchat news or looking at their twitter feed and saying that they know what they're talking about and it's disgusting because you don't because if all you do is read twitter you're getting opinions and social media has been proven to have pockets. So if you are someone that's uh, really liberal and really conservative, odds are most of the media you intake is going to be liberal or conservative media. And you're going to spend your whole life in a bubble as opposed to actually reading. I'm in digital media journalism at my school. That's my major. That's my program. That's like my uh, school. And all my classes, I, you know, we, teachers be like, you know, who read does what for news? And everyone just says social media. And it's sad. Pick up a newspaper. If you're a student, it's a dollar. Go get the New York Times. Go get the Wall Street Journal. Go get... I don't even care if it's biased or not. Like, just go read a newspaper. It's an article a day, man. Read one article a day. And that will make you at least a little smarter. Even if it's biased, It's at least you're learning about something. And so it's really frustrating seeing no one reading anything, no one looking at the actual facts, people just reading headlines and making assumptions about people they don't, they don't know. And that's dangerous. 
And so I'm sorry for that little rant there. But my big issue, I think the, the one word to wrap up the issue that technology has brought upon us is context. We don't like context anymore. It is not, all of this stuff I've been speaking about leads up to, what the, to this point. We don't care about context because we have short attention spans based on how our daily lives are lived. We have a purge of people trying to read actual news. And we have a purge of people trying to understand different perspectives. Um, we, and, we, and we have this hope to, to correct racism, sexism, homophobia, all these issues that our generations previous to us have not cared about enough. We are, have good hearts in our hearts. We have good hearts pumping in our bodies and good souls trying to fix problems. But all those things together have bred this culture where we hate context. It doesn't matter why he or she said what they said. All that matters is that those, word, those three words came out of their mouth and said, we don't like that person anymore. And that's really dangerous. But that's a great way to have a culture that doesn't know a thing, but thinks they know everything. And it's much more important to understand that you don't know anything than to think that you know everything. And so I implore everybody listening to, if you, if you don't like, you know, if you have something you're passionate about, the best thing you can do is learn is listen to people who have the opposite opinion of you. If you're passionate about a topic, listen to people that think you're stupid and wrong and incorrect. Listen to them. And if they can't come up with the actual point, then point that out to them. If they can't actually say, this is why X, Y, Z, these are the reasons why I disagree with you, then they clearly have an issue where they just don't know what they're talking about. But if you can listen to someone that actually has reasons to disagree with you, and you can learn something from them, it is imperative that you do. Because you might have the same opinion, but you'll have a more educated opinion because you've added more perspectives. You're looking at it from every angle. And the more angles you can look at a topic, the better and the smarter you are because you're no longer just confirmation bias and, and, and confirming your own beliefs, but you're taking in more beliefs. And if you act, it's, again, I'll say it again. It's impossible to sit down with a person and leave that conversation disliking them if you actually listen to each other. If you, it, it, it's, it's not possible. It's very hard, right? If you are a, you know, say it's someone, there's a racist person, right? And they sit down with someone that's a race that they don't like. And they have an actual, if they can sit down and somehow have a conversation for an hour or two, a real one, real normal conversation where they listen to each other and they talk and it's normal. It's very hard to leave the conversations and I hate that person. It's very difficult. So if you are a liberal, go talk to a staunch conservative. Talk to that person. Speak, converse, don't, and don't speak to have them change their mind. The worst thing you can do is say, I want to prove to you why we should have this or we shouldn't have this. Instead, just talk. Have your points be heard. Have their points be heard. Listen and, and chew on what they're saying. And, if you, and, you, and I promise you'll leave that conversation with a different perspective. And if you don't, maybe your perspective is right, but odds are you will at least have, oh, I didn't think about that. So do that. Go get context because we have a toxic environment right now where there's no conversation. Conversations aren't allowed. That's what you want to hear. So if, if, if someone's sitting on Twitter and they don't want it, they're not going to listen to me if they think I'm some white privileged male. And that's sad because maybe I have a point they haven't thought about. Maybe they have a point I haven't thought about. But if they sat there and actually spoke to me, maybe I'd actually learn something. But the fact that they're just calling me an XYZ... I'm not going to listen to them. And it's going to make me turned off to their opinion. And that's a big issue I see today. So I'm not going to... This is pretty much a rant podcast. I apologize if it's not what you guys wanted to hear. But this is my opinion on, how, on technology and how it's shaped our generation for the bad. There is a really good side of technology. And I promise that I will do an episode on that soon. 
Uh, and, and that's it's important to remember that it, it's not there are great things that have come from technology. It's made us more intelligent. It's made us more involved. It's made us more active. It's made us more mature because we can see all these different things. I understand politics from a younger age because I can read up on whatever I want to. I understand how to do more things because I don't need to look at uh, a mentor. I can look at the internet and they'll help me teach me how to do a skill. If I need to fix my car, my dishwasher, or build a dresser, I can figure that out without having to spend hours learning it from somebody. But the negatives exist too because it's made our attention spans shorter. It's made our ability to speak to each other worse. And it has made our ability to experience life without... It's, it's made our ability to understand what is reality and what isn't reality a lot harder and a lot worse. So think about what I'm saying here. If you don't agree with me, don't agree with me. If you don't agree with me, please drop me a message. Drop me an inbox. Drop me a comment. I'd love to talk. I'd love to converse. I'd love for you to change my opinions. If you have any other issues with the show, then please let me know because I'd love to make it better. I'm kind of experimenting with different lengths, different styles, different tones. Um, but if no one says anything, I'm just going to keep plugging along with what I'm doing. I'm going to keep talking about different uh, subjects that are important to me. I'm going to keep talking about the things that I see in my daily life. Uh, some of them are going to be short. Some are going to be long. Some are going to be serious like this. Some are going to be goofy or fun, silly, whatever. So thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you have a great night. Thank you for listening. This has been Nightcap. Wow.